why do we... I'm just joking. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Key in the Late podcast, the premier whiskey podcast. Without the whis- mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever, we are live from the International Recording Studios, also known as Beguile Brewing. And today, I guess it's a little bit of a special day. Um, right, Wilson? It is. It Wilson's is. Wilson's with me. I forgot to introduce Wilson, it's my co-host. Right. I'm Jake, by the way. Hey, I usually world. forget. Yeah. Um, about one year ago to today, as you're listening to this on a Monday, February 24th, it'll be one year since we started this podcast. Um, one year ago, I had the idea to kind of start talking about whiskey in front of some microphones. Um, Wilson didn't know what a podcast was one year ago, but <laughs> things have changed, and we've had on a number of guests, and so this is our 60th episode, so it's a nice rounded number to have that out on, it having is, an anniversary. Actually, it is a nice Yeah, definitely so. Talk up a little bit more. We have a loud uh, heating system behind us today. It's working extra hard in the, in the, as the uh, winter of Chicago runs down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we have some guests kind of hanging out with us today. Some people this have been on awesome. before. This is a yeah. great surprise, though, um, to see everybody. A few more people are said they're going to be showing up as well. We, invi- we invited 2,000. Six have showed up. So <laughs> <laughs> Math, <laughs> Math is with us. Actually, we didn't invite that many. Only people we kind of liked. But Randy's here with us, so that's the best part about it. Randy's in the house. Randy. Randy's, he's Randy's a handyman. Randy is is um, how old is Randy right now? Und- we were, we undecided. Were told that Randy is Three, but Three. the vet said one, so that was a nice little surprise. That's nice. So you got a newborn. Yeah. Wilson, one, Toddlers too. one thing I'm going to tell you when we're talking on this podcast today, yeah. talk to people with microphones in front of them first. Oh, so they are, so they're, they're I'm just excited. We only have four so microphones, we have multiple today. people. It's, so it's, yeah, it's so cool to see everyone time. here. But we, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about kind of, uh, I don't even talk about how this thing got started, but it's kind of mostly just about, goes to Metro Friday, into the city. Um most of it about how I think it's a, a Chicago whiskey podcast, and it's not just our podcast. I feel like it's kind of been everybody who's been on the podcast and people who supported it from the outside looking in as well about how we're trying to grow this whole uh, whiskey universe that's building in the city together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, we always try to make it a point to bring everyone along with us or have them alongside us, not bring them with us but alongside us on this journey that we've been on i mean it's we're our own support system in a sense so Mm. this is nice to i mean come to this day and i'm gonna get a little emotional i'm just glad you can make it even though you were 16 minutes late i was stuck at the uh chase on lawrence avenue there right before ravenswood and uh, because i went to the mariano's to grab a couple things for tomorrow's event not that that matters and i got stuck by um yeah, I just got stuck behind somebody that took their time. Just yeah. in from Bob Zacharias. Hey, yeah. fellas. Was planning on hoping to swing by today, but I'm jammed up at work. Kudos to you guys. Good, he's at work. I've been selling the barrel. I've been trying to hide <laughs> 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 Oh, well, there we go. Is he really allergic yeah. to dogs? Bob is so, um, oh, Yeah, we'll introduce the people that have uh, graciously come by and said thank you and give us gifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so brought some whiskey as well. Th- Everyone brought a little something, something, so this is going to be oh quite the afternoon. It's okay, Jamie. You're, it's you're okay. You're a tall drink of whiskey no one, yourself, no dear. You brought Randy. I brought Randy. You're a tall drink of whiskey yourself, dear, so don't you worry about <laughs> it. Yeah, so um, starting from my left to all the way over to my right, as I'm Looking I'm wearing right, a nice Canadian tuxedo, t- by the way, today. I'll tell you why later, Wilson. Everyone else knows. I'm not sure if Jamie does, but the gentlemen at the table do. But uh, Chris Blantner, who was on our previous episode and a couple episodes in the past, he's back. He is the urban bourbonist. He's part of the hair episodes that we part have. Part of the hair uh, episodes. Yes. And he has brought a delicious bottle of Kentucky Owl that he promised on the previous podcast he'd bring by. So yeah, we appreciate well, that. I'm sure yeah. we'll be talking about that as we start sipping on it. And he brought gifts. It's true, he did. Yeah. Brought us t-shirts. He brought us t-shirts. With uh, the quote of the year. <laughs> the quote, quote of the year. Do you want to rephrase uh, that quote? This is a... Restate it. A love... A, what is it? What so is the, uh, I don't the quote even know. Is, All I remember love. is I said it was a love... So we were tasting yes. out through Pinhook. That's um, correct. Yes. The uh, cast strength rye, rye humor. Rye humor. Yeah. And it got, it got a little uh, X-rated, it, I it think, did. a little bit. It got a little sassy. Yeah. And the, I love the quote, those the quote from Wilson was, this is a romantic... <laughs> love making rye, mm. and, and uh, so I brought take uh, that, Bob I brought Ross. some T-shirts that I that I made up uh, with your logo yeah. and, and potato and, chips, and yeah, and they come with potato chips. Mm-hmm. Isn't great? And uh, the the quote around your uh, your logo, logo. so uh, happy yeah. happy first anniversary. Appreciate it. Thank you, you very much. Appreciate it, man. That's kick ass, man. Um, and then also to right across from me is a gentleman who was on episode number five of the pod. I think it was five. Let's call it five or seven. 
Okay, five it's, or seven. It's standing words. out in my head right now, but it yeah. is the lovely and beautiful Ian Hosek. Okay, so you. cuddly. I am. I am all those. We things. were butt to butt the other night. <laughs> we were, yeah, not romantically. But <laughs> <laughs> it was well, yeah, festively. I have never been in such tight quarters. Put that mic festival. right to your face. It was tough. Get closer. To that. Right on it. You can just hold like, it. Just if like swallow it a little bit. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. If children are listening to this podcast on your commute, I suggest you turn it off now for the explicit rating that we always earn every week by week. Uh, but Ian and I probably had like the most, I would say, in-depth, deep. deep, heartfelt yeah. podcast yeah, of, um, that we've probably recorded. We yeah. recited some poetry, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe I, I your painted own. pictures about it yeah. afterwards. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Brandon Bassett for Uncle Nearest. Yep. Great Tennessee whiskey. Thank you. Thank you. Uncle Nearest is proud. We're Dizzy. doing really well. Yeah, we just he, won World he, uh, Whiskey's Best Tennessee Whiskey. Nice. Yeah. I saw that. And yeah, you guys are now you. publicly traded. And now we are publicly traded, actually. <laughs> wow, what an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll sit back and watch. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. This isn't about And me. sitting next to Ian is Randy. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I, oh, and Jamie, by the way. <laughs> Jamie Duffy, who is, um, I don't even know what, she just sells a lot of whiskey and probably does a better job than all of us here combined. The collective. The by collective of by Thoroughbred. I was getting there, but... Um, Jamie was on episode 13, I want to say, maybe something like that, um, yeah. earlier on in the days. We've asked her to come on 18 more times, but she's only come back on once, and that was during Indie Spirits Week to promote her own event. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fa- fair. Very I'm fair. here today. Very I'm here fair. today. But you are here, here for some reason. And she brought Randy. Yeah. And she brought Randy. Her dog. Her new, her new dog. It's a, a beautiful little man, handsome yes. man. <laughs> we don't know the age, but we'll find out about after this podcast. That is our goal today. <laughs> Just rescuing Super dogs. Oh, the there podcast. we go. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Harrison, grab that microphone. Harrison, who uh, is um, the biggest sellout here, I guess like we could call it, all say, by working Thanks, for the man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. My voice is still a little bad from the uh, event the other joking, night, so yeah. I'll be uncharacteristically might, quiet, but if you, if I you am are, here. If you are a fan of the podcast, you might remember Harrison from our 4th of July um, episode where oh, uh, Jake got drunk about 10 o'clock in the morning and started giving away his address. Yeah. We did leave that out, but um, yeah, um, that's probably been the last time since you've been on Harrison. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Might have been one more. I don't, There's know. One other I don't time. know. I show up when somebody else is. You're sick. on before that too. Else is yeah, sick. I was episode four. <laughs> He's on a call. Episode four. All right, and Fourth of July. Yeah, I was wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey that day. You were oh. very confused. Oh, that's right. You, you, you were very were. confused why I was wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey that day, uh. as were many people across America. Yeah. Wait, but the hey. day that we did the podcast at your joint? Or? Yeah, on 4th of July. Oh, okay. You're who I called. I was like, hey, my condolences. I saw you like right after that or mm-hmm. something along those lines. But we did. Randy's, so. Randy's Roman. But yeah, um, I think we um, I have some more people coming in. Maybe Jamie's uncle, who knows? He told me he's coming by. If he doesn't, he's dead to me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the way life goes sometimes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you guys are going to talk, I'll just say grab the microphone and do it. How's that sound, Ian? And do it. Sounds good. I feel like that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you were you're halfway there. And I didn't come with bullet points. Oh, that's okay. Next time. Next time I'll have bullet points. Right well, we always appreciate you guys being here and the support from uh, from everybody at this table this and true. obviously yeah. to all of our listeners, too. Yeah, I don't know, really know if we have that many listeners. I've been getting hit up on the DM. So everyone's, on the DM? Oh, yeah. People sliding into the DMs. Yeah, so sliding, sliding into the 312. Yes. D- sliding into the 312 made. Um, actually, my boss reached out to me and goes, I think this message was to you. Like, they slid into the union horse uh, DM <laughs> and um, what she was cool with because he's just like you're you're doing marketing you're yeah. working so yeah. it works yeah so that's how um, I see what this podcast is so yeah you day. guys if you guys um, slide into the union horse DM you're sliding into my bosses mm. and um, if you go into three ones you made it's actually mine so you know great mistake Keep it up. Actually, he's really happy. He's really excited. Um, he loves the Chicago market more than ever now. So, you know, we, I appreciate all the, the, the support that we've gotten via that way. Yeah. And um, even on, on the street. Hopefully no dick pics. No, hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send just exclusive pictures of Dick O'Reilly to him now. Yeah. There you go. Just, just <laughs> very, <laughs> bottles in various like precarious positions. Yeah. Well, Ian was showing me Dickel's new branding recently, and it is a very large uh, branding, very bold face saying Dickel. But yeah, it's just, you can it's see just a, it's a trucker out. hat that just says it is just it's just Dickel, Dickel. In block print. And frankly, I want I want marketing and branding that is so subtle. That you barely even notice it, yeah. or if it's like a slap to the jaw, I want either or, and mm. they really kind of hit the hit the mark there. With the uh, key and the late branding, we just are non-existent, really. <laughs> we have T-shirts now. We have red T-shirts. 
I love it. Do you have, you have an online store now? Oh, actually, we do have an online store technically. Okay. But uh, they're just white T-shirts with okay. a logo. Well, one well, one's been purchased. I've given many away. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who bought it. Could have been well, my aunt. I well, think. Well, this year, one year anniversary. I have to ask, why did you guys come together to start this podcast? Like, wh- wh- why not reiterate that? We went through that on the year anniversary of KeyInTheLake.com. Well, I'm, you have listenership. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a good thing to review over because we did talk about this, I think, on our year-end podcast, actually. Um, I, I remember we were in my living room. That's all we, I remember. We touched on it. We didn't really get into it. There we go. We're going to touch on it. Um, but we'll go more into detail now. Essentially what it was, uh, Wilson and I started working at a distillery here in Chicago together a few years back. And we came to Beguile, um, where we record this podcast, also known as Beguile International Recording Studios. They're not just a brewery. They're a recording studio as well. And maybe vice versa. Um, but we wanted, we always came here for lunch, had a beer, went back to work, and then we come back afterwards and just kind of talk about what's going on in the industry. With that, you know, more employees came that we worked with, or coworkers that we worked with, I should say. And just having more conversations each and every day. We eventually split away from the distillery, um, but still met up here every Friday for a beer to talk about what was going on. He was working for Union Horse. Uh, I think I was driving a van around, um, taking photos for, you know, another distillery. And uh, (laughs) we kind of just kept in in touch that way. It was always our way of uh, connecting at the end of the week and just talking about um, life, whiskey, dreams and romance too yeah i mean uh, it was great because uh minus the romance minus the romance um yeah we when jake and i met at said distillery we, we actually didn't say it. it's called cobal okay k-o-v-a-l oh, they were next to me the other night at chicago it. magazine barrel night they were Le- they were next legally to you. you're not allowed to say it correct so <laughs> uh that being said um we we developed a really cool um, good thing we're not live streaming real one. nice relationship friendship i should say that this was a non-sexual a way, yeah, non-sexual way that we can. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He just keeps bringing it up. I think, I think that's a sign. Maybe I'm a gay man. Maybe you know. are. Who's, that's okay. That's okay. And that's okay. Um, For me, it's fine. It was just a way to continue <laughs> our relationship outside of um, of work. Because usually, when you go, when you have work friends, you know, you part ways with the company or and or vice versa, and then those people be like, yeah, stay in touch, but you never stay in touch. Mm. Um, this was one of the, uh, probably one uh, I was I would say the first friendship that I made at a workplace that we actually continued our friendship after the fact, mm-hmm. um, even while he stayed behind at Koval for the for the next year, and then I went on to you know obviously join Union Horse. Um, but it was a way to only fourteen months. You know, it was just it was cool. It was cool to be able to say that. Yeah, you know what? That's actually it's possible because usually people just don't. You know, yeah. you work with someone, you work with someone, you forgot them unless you see them again somewhere else. But mm-hmm. outside of that. This was the way that I felt that would continue our friendship, which is when why he asked, hey, you're going to come on this package, you're going to do this. I'm like, okay, why? Because I wanted to continue our, re- our friendship. So I was like, little Tonto, I was like, yeah, whatever, dude, I don't care. What You call, I'll, I haul. You know, so, you know, that's the reason why I'm here today still. So, you know, it's for him. So. Pretty much. It was always something, I started the website just writing like stupid little essays or whatever and taking a lot of photographs at events for free and doing free photography work for some distilleries and breweries and such. Shout out to you, Beguile. Um, and then, no, they paid me one time. Kevin, <laughs> you listening? But uh, it was just kind of a way of staying in touch in the whiskey industry. I was in between distilleries that I was working for and just selling some beer at the time and really wanted to just kind of uh, tell a story of what's happening with the individuals of yeah. uh, this industry. So it's not always about just the whiskey itself. I think the stories behind the juice is kind of more important and even more yeah. uh, relatable to people like us and people out there in the public, too, because um, we all have daily jobs. But coming to this industry, I think it's a special, not, not special, it's special to everyone who's in it because alcohol either it attracts you and you stay in it or it wears you out and you probably get out pretty quickly. Yeah. What do you think, Ian? You're nodding. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's one thing about the podcast when I listen to it mm. that that really drew me to the conversations is that something Jamie said on one of her episodes is that the industry can can also be incredibly lonely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's nice to hear my peers and my colleagues, many of which are friends, some of which I know in passing, some of which I have never met. Oh, by the way, Ian was at Koval with us, too. I was also at Koval, yeah. yeah, yeah. We stayed friends. Yeah, you trained me at Koval, actually. I trained a lot. At my, at, 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 we did a tasting at a 3D printing Oh, yeah, I remember um, that. Didn't office. you get hit by a car recently, or shortly after that? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good day. Uh, but that's but back to that, you know, just creating community and and hearing people's stories as to why they're in it, which is why when I was on the episode when we had mm-hmm. our when our conversation, I really wanted to make it about why are we in the industry, why are we working, what drives us to work, and and these conversations are are quite inspiring for that. Go ahead, yeah. I'm drinking. No, well, I, I'll say that yeah. being not in the industry, listening to the podcast, it it offers some insight into like what you guys are doing on a daily basis that mm-hmm. I find fascinating mm-hmm. from being on the outside. So, no, would you guys say that you are? Would you consider yourselves a podcast for the industry? Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people have asked us. Like, why did you start an industry podcast? And it really wasn't. Like, I just wanted to tell the stories of people yeah. and talk to people behind the scenes pretty much. Uh, it's kind of evolved into that and definitely into a Chicago market. I mean, we've had people from Scotland and L.A. and New York on the podcast. But predominantly, since we live in Chicago, it's been Chicago's, Chicago industry folk. But I don't think it's necessarily a industry podcast. No. I think it's more about no. <laughs> the people that make up this industry. Yeah, I think um, it's yeah, it's just what we just we took our conversations that we would have here yeah. and we've just opened it up to include others that we've met along the way and who experience the same things or who do the same mm-hmm. things or you know, we feed off one another, we learn from one another. Um, we I hate the word use the word influence, but we hope that we paint the proper picture yeah. as to what goes into what we do and how it affects individuals such as you, Chris, you know, and how you've developed since we've met. Jamie being in the position that she's in, you know, it's higher ranking, but at the same time, a lot more to do with the overall picture than we're a very small slide of the PowerPoint presentation, if you will. And Harrison is probably the vet of us all. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Harrison's been in the game, what, eight, nine years now, Harry? 11, 11 years. So, you know, and he actually, he was, he started at Cobalt before any of us did. Mm, not directly. Just, you know? Just, yeah, just learning. Right, but still, you know. I no, mean, and I think the biggest thing, uh, the in- biggest influence for me about the starting this podcast was, which I talked about before, um, my grandfather was an engineer at Jim Beam, and I would just hear these stories about people and all these characters that he worked with and, you know, maybe some wives coming into the distillery and having varnishing guns with them, you know, at their husbands and such and things like that. <laughs> and, you know, as you grow older and you start to rig- figure out who these people are, you're like, oh, these are the guys that built this industry. These are the women that facilitated this industry in a whole different way through marketing. And maybe not their names didn't come through the distillery, but they're definitely there to push distillers, master distillers, who are predominantly men um, back in the day as it's changing and evolving right now. Um, to get out there and produce different whiskeys and showcase whiskey in a whole new light in the late 80s and the early 90s. So when I kind of became an adult and started to put the, put the pieces together about who those individuals were, I might be dressed like one today for a reason. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, it was kind of like, I want to talk to those, I want to talk to those people, not, those, not exactly those individuals, but the people that I work with, the people I see on a regular basis um, and share their story as well. Yeah. So that's kind of why we've had yeah, a lot of people, a lot of different people on. We've had a lot of different people on. A lot on, of people you know. parts of the industry, too. And, yeah. like, with Chris being on as um, from the influencer side and the new marketing re- like regime, I guess, for lack of a better term sure. to call it, um, that's helping this industry change on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, we've had them all. We've had a, a good – I think there's some holes we can fill within the next coming year with our, you know, bringing in – like more your average consumer, possibly maybe, or like no, there's so right. many there's so many different cool <laughs> no, ways. No, that's okay. Yeah, I think we should. Do you, think you want that. people coming oh, in and saying this case yeah. young? Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. What I see more and more of on the consulting side is rapid aging. Mm. Um, mm. So like now they're getting to the point where they're doing it in two hours. What? And yeah. there's multiple companies. Yeah, there's multiple and multiple. Um, so I think that would be super interesting, though, to talk to someone and, like, really try it. And I try to take everything with an open mind, right? Yeah. So if it yeah. tastes different, okay. But as technology moves along, there's things you'd scoff at now that in 10 years are going to be 
um, very normal. Part of the industry, you know. Yeah. So I think you got to keep looking at everything without any biases. Um, yeah. But I think that would be really interesting to talk to someone who's opening a company like that. And then yeah. what I've found more. Um, is everybody wants a whiskey catered to themselves. So whether oh, it's, good point. it's catered. single yeah. barrel picks, right? Or now we've had a few guys approach us on the consulting side where they're um, they're making tons of different whiskeys. And basically, if you're getting married, you can do yeah. your own blend for a bachelor, your, your yeah. whatever, bridal group. Yeah. For guys. Bachelor. Bachelor sure. part. No. Sure. Uh, grooms? Groomsman. 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 Yeah. <laughs> the guy who just got married six months ago. Um, but it, I feel like that's the way we're moving is, and that's the way the, the entirety of all businesses are going. How do we do things quicker, faster, and more catered to the consumer? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I've been interested in yeah. and lately. We're, and we're seeing that also at the distillery level where contract distilling is becoming more tailored to the... Um, customization of a whiskey that you contract out in order to f- call your own on an individual basis or for an actual brand that may be coming to market. Or mm-hmm. um, So we're seeing a lot of that. Or something that maybe they can, um, that uh, forever, so instead of making that, that big capital and in, um, in, um, in taking on that big cap, um, pep capital responsibility, you can just now take a fraction of that and now and just contract it out. Still call it your own. Still, you know, sell it and then, you know, and, and still reap the benefits of it all and make a new wave in the market as well. So it's, 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 there's a lot of different cool things that are going already on in 2020 that I'm really excited about. Mm. Is there any companies you're working with doing that, Jamie? Not publicly. Not publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. But we are working with a couple different ones. Um, they have really large facilities. And I can say I've heard from four different states with four different companies now doing that. So. And the reason why I ask is we have everybody at this table that represents a distillery represents distilleries in such a different way, or distilleries do such different methods of getting their juice out there at the end of the day. Yeah. What do you think, Randy? Um, we're like, uh, Wilson's company, it's family-owned and operated yeah. and making everything. Um, Harrison, you work for one of the best distilleries in the world of producing all these amazing rye whiskeys, and, but people always buy from your distillery as well, working for MGP. And um, as Ian's on his phone over there, I don't know what he's doing, but... Uh, Whoa, 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 are you doing work? He's got to work. Are you doing work? <laughs> no, but you're... Uh, but yes, I am. Actually, yeah. I have uh, our master blender is coming to town, and Ooh. I'm setting up some events for her. Yeah, yeah. but and then you guys do a whole different, different method with Tennessee whiskey, so it's a really interesting um, group of people we have here about how those individuals, distilleries, eventually get their bottle out to everybody. Yeah, and I guess what I was trying to say with the rapid aging and looking at it unbiased is think about it like frozen pizza. Mm-hmm. Frozen pizzas come a long way. Like, there's sometimes where you can get, like, an expensive frozen pizza or catered <laughs> yeah. out from the store, right? It's not and delivery. Like, it's DiGiorno. It's exactly. <laughs> but it's not all that different. And so I think when you're looking at um, everyday whiskey, you know, maybe not your specialty, maybe not that super high end, but yeah. everyday whiskey, can you get something that's close enough? Yeah. And will that be the future? Well, it's interesting because if there's the technology to do it, because there's there's places like... Um, there's a distillery in Washington. Um, it's called Katie, I think is the name of it. And they claim that their environment, mm. where they are, three months aging there, they claim is equal to one year in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So hmm. if they Washington can claim... State? I yeah, hear that a lot with different on, distilleries. They yeah, put their own... on um, Whidbey Island okay. in uh, oh, Washington. Okay. Yeah. And they say because of the barometric pressure coming off the... Ocean Coast. over one mountain range hits their island, goes over another mountain range. They're in like this interesting barometric yeah. uh, situation where the aging occurs rapidly. Isn't that weird? Um, so you, you figure if someone can replicate that in a laboratory or in a warehouse somewhere, that it, it certainly seems plausible to me that you could create a whiskey that tastes really good. Yeah. Uh, in a short period of time and say, you know, this is equal to a six-year, six-year-old whiskey, mm-hmm. you know. Now, trying to sell that to, to the <laughs> consumer is another thing, but, Especially you know, it's... Especially it's $50 a pop or whatever yeah. it might yeah. be. Okay, so, and just to be clear, I have not tasted a rapidly aged oh, whiskey I was, I was that, I, that yeah. I felt was... 
comparable. Wouldn't I just think too. we're getting Wouldn't closer. Build? Yeah. Because I mean, we've all had, I mean, multiple people at this table for, for companies that have 30, 15-gallon casts. That's, yeah, like, in most opinions, it's shocking the whiskey and the flavor versus um, aging it. Well, like, I don't want to misspeak, but I believe it's Noble Oak. I believe they're the ones out in the mass market now doing the... I have a the, rapid the, the rapid I had the bottle of it. Yeah. We never opened never it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure okay. they're okay. they're doing is, that. I could be what, wrong. What about we'll Woodenville out in Seattle? Is are, are they small barrel or large barrel? I know Woodenville. They've come to market, but this isn't strong. small barrel. This no. is like this they is actual, have just yeah, like a, a machinery yeah, that's technology able to, to like do that. quickly get that Interesting. oak through it. So what does that what does that do for us? I mean, does that fill a void in the market? Is that full? Is that just something to, to hype up again? Or you, you, you can take it out of the stand too. If you want. I, I think <laughs> I think potentially. I mean, at the end of the day, whether it be um, one use barrels for bourbon, whether it be rapid aging, we are kind of get to a point in the industry where we're going to need to find ways to get product to market so that we're not so that we can actually supply the demand Mm. to a certain extent and right now I think there are things in our way be it perception be it rules laws and and regulations that are that will could keep us from bringing quality product to a scale that the market is demanding. Okay, so are we talking like, more craft for the craft level or well, the more I think mainstream? Craft be affected by it as if you don't want to go over that hundred thousand gallon mark in a single year, you're not going to produce that much. Which right. then, if we keep going with all those allocated items from you know, Japanese whiskeys, all the tariffs coming from Scotland, and then all the supposed uh, allocated whiskeys coming out of Kentucky, I say supposed, um, then maybe craft could fill that void. But only if they go over a hundred thousand gallons in a year. But if they don't want to go over that and then be taxed at a higher price and all the you know headache comes with that, if, when you're not remaining as a craft brand, there could be that shortage yeah. out there. And I just think that there are th- there are real there are real questions of sustainability in how we produce certain kinds of whiskey, especially in America. Okay, that I can see that rapid aging might be an answer to. Yeah, I mean it's a ecological thing too. I mean yeah, there's yeah. A, I mean less water probably to be over called the day. bourbon. Yeah. It has to be a new barrels yeah. so you're looking at uh, you're yeah. creating barrels from you know all these trees and of course those barrels get reused for other other things along the way but yeah i mean i think it's 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 definitely probably going to move in that direction i could definitely see that coming more of a focus versus the laws of bourbon changing what's up metro um laws of bourbon changing where you could actually use uh right. secondary or second use barrels yeah. but and i to, doubt that'll ever happen to jamie's which point, i don't want it to by the way we're, we're going to need to watch how our industry evolves and some of these things that we're looking at such as rapid aging process that are mechanical or chemical in nature mm-hmm. might become a normative in a very different way could be and it, it's it's definitely worth looking at especially if it does answer an ecological question yeah. a sustainability question a product demand yeah, and I, I was, and we had um, Ajay on a few episodes ago, episodes ago, and talking about how how many people in India drink whiskey, drink single malt whiskey. So, what if like another country like that that has over a billion people gets into the whiskey distilling business as a much more rapid pace, and they see, oh wow, this is a way of producing it even faster and getting it out into the international market that could influence us all that way. Um, and I'm sorry if I missed that, but like a big part of it too is time is money. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you're, you're the first. You're, you're the first to make that. Who do yeah. that? Walk- oh, look who it is. Well, Marty hasn't met his nephew yet. Oh, this is the oh. Marty has first meeting with Marty Randy. Duffy, welcome. He'll see. He'll see. It's going straight for the balls. Um, but yeah, no, it's I, that's a great point too. Because time is money, and that, that was coming from the craft brands, as we I think everyone here at the table has pretty much. Um, you see it every day how it's a headache of like, are, are we going to get our bills paid this month? Right. Like, yeah. And if we can get this out there faster. So if you could do that fast and then also just like holding that space, like you don't have to worry about that. There, so much of the reason of the rising prices with whiskey is the weight. Mm. It's mm. not the actual cost of the goods. That's the, yeah. So that's the main, well, that's the main investment is time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Back to your, um, but Jimmy, in regards to those those uh, those um, thanks, man. Those uh, rapid uh, calling, let's call it rapid uh, aging technologies. Is it was it developed at the agricultural level, or was it developed just at a more call it at a geeky level of some sort? 
Um, it, I mean, it was developed for this purpose. Okay. It's not like so, it was developed for another reason. Then we thought, oh, okay. let's do it with whiskey. I thought so, maybe it was something agricultural yeah. that was developed, and then it's like, man, we can apply this to a couple of different things that match, you know. No, no. Like so this was specifically wine, for it. Okay. And the two companies that I've talked to, the idea was to. A lot of it had to do with the customization okay. more than selling it quickly. A lot of it has to do with, hey, like your wedding is in nine months. We're here <laughs> making this whiskey for the groomsmen. Gotcha. I know it sounds silly, but that's yeah. what people yeah. want. Yeah. Like they'll be like, oh, I distilled this with so and so and we rapid aged it. And like I made this for you guys. Yeah. You distilled this whiskey with Marty Duffy. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, I remember those companies started coming around about six years ago. I feel like um, they're making these twenty-three ounce bottles, essentially that were um, that were charred oak on the inside too. But oh, I haven't seen that. I've seen the coils. Yeah, 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 that you drop in like White Dog, and then see what happens from there. But what, 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 Ian? What? I have nothing to say. I have nothing to add. I am oh. listening. No. Just, well, Mar- Marty, to catch you up on what we're talking about, we're talking about rapid aging whiskey, and how it could actually come into the market. Gathered that. Yeah, did you? Did you gather that a microphone doesn't catch you away from you're three feet away from it? I like. Uh, Let's take it out. Distant. No. Oh. I like it sounding yeah. like a far away or very small. Hmm. Oh, how about that? You're breaking. Besides, things. my nephew is sniffing my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good quote, right? There. By nephew, he means dog. <laughs> Just for any legality. Randy, <laughs> get ball. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's. I mean, obviously, that there's been a lot of articles about it, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of people attempting it, but. But is. I don't think, uh, have you guys, any of you tasted anything that no. you thought I succeeded? Five-gallon barrels are the most I've, anything I've tasted. Not necessarily something that I thought succeeded, but rather, I was saying earlier, I do think it could potentially fill a void in the market in the future. I am a person who thinks that time, age is time and you can't replace anything with, with time, but t- more time. You know, yeah. uh, that's just how I... I, I I operate. That's the way I was taught. Yeah. But again, by I do th- by by <laughs> specifically by Jake. <laughs> but just overall, I, I do think that we are going to move towards new technologies and new methods that fill a void in the market, whether we as palace and industry minds like it or not. Let's see here. Here. Here is a uh, point that uh, the whiskey writer Dave Broom brought up. Mm. Uh, a number of years ago, actually, is that there's big difference between age of a whiskey uh, and maturation. Hmm. And that thing of it, thing of in terms of the movie Big. Yeah. Tom Hanks was big overnight, right? Yeah. But he was still a little kid inside. Ah. He hadn't matured. Ooh, I like, I like that. that. He looked I like that. older, but he wasn't older. And that's the whole idea is that, yeah, with smaller barrels, smaller casts, uh, yeah, you can get the, the, a lot of the color. You can get that. Um, uh, and mostly, it's mostly a lot of wood character coming through, which, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think there's a lot more that goes on when you lay a, a, a barrel of whiskey down than just, you know, color leaching out of the wood, right? Yeah, for and sure. There's a lot more interaction. There's mellowing of the whiskey. And all that takes time. Now, once they can really master that, if there's a, a way, but then you start playing around with, with God. You know, making it <laughs> artificial. And anything, you taste anything that's artificial, it never tastes as good as yeah. the real thing. And this isn't, this isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, people have been trying to make lead into gold for right. alchemy, literally baby. centuries. It's all alchemy. And, and, and it really hasn't worked yet. In fact, the only lab that it's turned lead into gold has I think done ISIS it. Is on it. They've done it with like an atomic level. Like they've made like a single atom of gold, really, with like mm-hmm. enough energy to power the city. <laughs> you know, to just get. So it's going to take way more than it's probably worth. And I still stand by. Of course, I have hundreds of thousands of barrels probably at my disposal. <laughs> so I'm spoiled. Personally, but yeah. like, but well, you know, I say poor planning. You know, will get you every time, and you got to forecast and grow organically. So the big uh, companies like yourself, like the MGP, do you think there's always enough barrels out there to, like, let's say, like, 
just for an example to throw out there, let's say like somehow Beam was like not ready to put out four-year-old whiskey and like came to MGP. Do you think there'd be enough barrels out there for everybody? No. Okay, so this could actually be a, a spot where I'm only worried about. I'm only worried about. God, get out of here! Shut up. <laughs> Go to say it, say it. No, I, I, no, I mean, right, I'm serious right. in, in the sense that if you're a distillery, you, planning is. When, when you get to a large scale like that, there is an entire department that's whole job is to forecast. Yeah, and we're, right now we're worried about forecasting too much like what happened after World War II where they forecasted too much and then there was all this plethora of well, bourbon. We're already planning out to 2037, 2038. You're not talking into a uh, microphone. Svedka, Svedka, <laughs> Svedka was voted best uh, vodka of 2033 and they're going to have to live up to that soon because <laughs> 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 it's coming. Maybe we'll all start drinking vodka. Oh, no, let's not do that. Well, also, too, you guys remember why we have a lot of regulations around whiskey. You know, uh, the whole bond and bond started because people were putting all sorts of stuff into whiskey and make it look older and make it look different. Tax evasion. Spread it out more. I don't know. To me, it just seems like you're... I could see it. I think it's a big struggle for small distilleries to have to sit on barrels for years. I mean, even two years. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. If you don't have the money to, to, to see you through those times. Uh, I think there's other ways to get the money. I think there's ways of, you know, with tourism, so selecting the right location for your distillery. I agree. You know, building yeah. other things, doing a... Dirty Mike and the Boys. Uh, you know, fun events and maybe even a, to a smaller extent making like a good gin or some kind of other of spirit yeah, I mean, in the meantime yeah. but I think it's uh, it could be a, a very slippery slope and I also think a lot of folks I think one of the things that happened with the big boom of small distilleries you had a lot of people going out tasting whiskey at a distillery and thinking ah that's so that's whiskey. fresh that was yeah. made and it's craft <laughs> so it must be good I'm you sorry know, for everybody out there who I appreciate. So that's their idea of what idea. whiskey is now. Yeah. And if it was some kind of oh, manipulation. Right. Because, I, I mean, I don't know many people I talked to on Saturdays for four years coming on their first distillery tour to a craft distillery, and they're at a craft distillery, and I'm like, this is the best bourbon you can get out in the market. You know, and did I truly believe that? Maybe. Um, but at the same time, maybe 20 out of 25 people are trying bourbon from a distillery for the very first time. Yeah. yeah. But maybe we, instead of focusing on the future of whiskey, maybe talk about what um, we all enjoy about whiskey. What do you think, Wilson? Oh, man. You, you already heard how I how I. Oh, uh, I think we should also talk about uh, what we're, before that, before we're, what we're drinking, what Chris yes. graciously. Actually, I was, I'm, oh. yeah. Let's talk about this right quick, because this, yeah. this is... So, um, yeah, so I promised uh, the last time that I was on, uh, I think you had asked me what was the most I had spent on a bottle of whiskey, and yes. this is the guy here. That was very um, rude of me. The uh, Kentucky Owl Batch 9 Bourbon. Okay. Um, 127.6 proof. And I had, I had mentioned that um, this was one of those whiskeys that I tasted and it kind of made me sit up and go, oh, okay, so yeah, that's... Yeah. that's at, that, at that strength, I think it would make you sit up. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the proof definitely makes you sit up, yeah. but the... Even the, just the flavor profile of this and the complexity and and I think I had mentioned the finish on this the, the last time I was here. Like you drink this yeah. and the finish on this just goes on for yeah. like days and days. Yeah, and this days is a layering, like layering. Whiskey. Just keeps revealing different things. Yeah. So it's um, it's that one whiskey that I've had that's just really kind of opened my eyes to what like a complex blended well-aged whiskey can be. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to bring it and share it um, because you, Jake, you had just said, uh, what, you know, what do you like about whiskey? And I think this is what it's about is like sharing a bottle, mm. even if like, you know, this bottle is expensive and it's probably not approachable for a lot of people. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if I can share this with people, with then I agree. it's... A it's fantastic wor- thing, in my yeah, opinion. Which I'm about to do right now, since this is a gift I bought for my wife for our wedding. Oh. Um, <laughs> she's not here. Oh. But, uh, I really like it. Yeah, it's a, so Scotch Malt Whiskey Society is a 
um, whiskey group that's been around for over 30 years that I'm a part of, and we meet at Delilah's about once a month and talk about some scotch and walk them through, and they do single barrel picks from all over the country of Scotland. And this one right here that Chris is holding is a seven-year-old Speyside, uh, not mentioned. I can't remember where it actually comes from because Jake might have been drunk when he bought it. I'm, I'm not sure, Marty. What do you think? Um, but it's he a, a seven-year-old Speyside, uh, 67.5 alcohol by volume. Jesus. Yeah, so we're having some uh, high-proof whiskeys today. Don't they, uh, this is uh, Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Society, don't yeah, they? So uh, 70- they don't typically, I don't think they can. They can. Or not supposed um, to. Ben will be gracious enough to tell you maybe in a meeting, allude to which distillery it is, um, but no. not they can't legally mention what yeah, it was. It's just supposed to be some way. I think you can go online. There's yeah, codes. There's codes um, yeah. on the bottle right there. Like I said, like 73.1, blah, blah, blah. That's the number of barrels they picked from that distillery and then the number of barrel, um, that barrel from that pick. So there's only uh, a bottle from that pick. So there's only, I believe, 517 bottles from that pick itself. So whenever I buy these bottles, they're usually somewhere between 70 to $300 a bottle. And you never know, when do I open this? Because it's the only (laughs) bottle I'm ever going to have. Because they're all single barrel picks. Um, But it was something, it was a Space Side that I love Space Side whiskeys. Um, I think it's a sweet honey taste to it or something Mm. like that. Well, to go back to the Kentucky Owl, makes me want to go watch a movie. Absolutely. What, what do you mean? Because this just smells like a fresh box of Raisinets, man. Raisinets? Yeah. There we go. See, I was thinking movie popcorn as well, like going with that. That's my man. Yeah. That's my man. Yeah, man. This is fucking delicious. Um, but now yeah, we got to do the uh, school. I met, uh, who's the guy who owns? Ben Dietrich? I no, met. He's, he's the American rep. No, I met the guy who owns, no, uh, Kentucky. Uh, uh, Dixon oh, Deadman? That's him. I met him at Willett uh, years ago. Ooh. Um, he was just on a tour. Good dude. And he started talking about it, and I said, oh, wow. Yeah, I, was, I think I was actually trying to get him to come up to the Indie Spirit Expo, and he says, oh, man, I'm a tiny little brand. I'm hardly off the ground yet here in Kentucky. And so, Well, he has since sold to uh, Stoli Group, right. so uh, he, he did well for himself, but he's still with the brand. They're trying to buy a lot right now. Yeah. Stoli Group? Oh, they all? Everybody, they're scrambling, man. I'm trying to buy a few brands. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Which ones? Which ones? <laughs> well, uh, that's a for two-year uh, anniversary podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Still in the works. Still in the works. Yeah. Um, Dude, it tastes like one of those. Uh, what are you tasting? Like a cross between. Are you them. tasting the the space scotch? Side. Okay. Like a. And you're not much of a scotch drinker. No, this is delicious in a sense. Jamie loves scotch. She's not a microphone, but she just said it's, it. It's uh, it's non-peated. Thank God. Yeah, and it's a space. It's a space side. I'm, I'm Doing, guessing it's like Glenn a Grant. Pete. Just you by the nose. It? I have a cousin named Pete. He just nosed it. Oh. But it smells well, a lot like Glenn Grant. I can't I remember what it was. Glenn Grant. Okay, the, the, this is a question. Yeah. This is, Jamie's going to get on my a question. A we bit of pick. honey so, and then Charles and So uh, yesterday I had a friend who's a bartender. His friend in the suburbs was looking to get into either distributor or supplier route. <laughs> um... And asking questions about being brand ambassador, sales manager, et cetera. And she asked, do you wait for the perfect brand Mm. or do you get the experience first? I know what my answer was, but I'd be interested in hearing everyone I don't think I'm the right person to answer that because I totally lucked out. (laughs) Yeah, I I think. Well, I guess I could answer that. Yeah, you could answer that. Um, I think you could answer that. No, I should because I did approach our former brand about being their brand ambassador and they laughed at me, um, essentially. (laughs) Uh, But... uh, and I was having this talk with Angie actually the other night from uh, Traverse City. Okay. And we were talking about just uh, that very much conversation about which brand is right for you. And um, I think experience just counts. Start there. Ian? I, I have I, – I like to take it back a step. I think, you know, um, uh, talking to a friend of mine who actually she's, – she's still involved in the classical music world that's her industry that's her that's her life where where i came from no no it's not (laughs) uh but she was she was looking for work to support her efforts because there's really not a lot of money in the early stages of a career in classical music and the advice i gave her was to find a job that taught her the right skills so she's she's currently running her own uh contemporary opera festival all opera written in a contemporary setting so I told her, go and get a marketing job. Get an HR job. Get something that gives you some kind of acumen that you don't yet have 
to to to, to thrive and survive in your industry. So, in, to, to someone looking for brand work or supplier work or distributor work, find a company that aligns with your values. Find a company that's going to offer you the skill set that you need to be successful and. You know, Angie from Grand Traverse is a great example. Yeah. I think she has found a, a a career home that is that 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 brand is her after a long career. After a long career, her, that brand really fits with her with, yeah. with her lifestyle. It fits with her values, and you'll get there. But first, get the experience and build the acumen you need to to, to thrive in your it's career. Too, it very much fits her personality. She's wonderful. No, I, I mean, my first job at a distillery was doing admin work and then it evolved into, like, creative marketing stuff and I don't think God else, whatever else I did it there. My, my start was a stumble. Yeah? An absolute stumble. And I kind of stumbled into things. I stumbled into this a task. A 3D printing what? party with me hanging out there. Partying with you hanging out. But no, but seriously, when I, when I, when I got to Koval, where I kind of started in, 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 a, in a brand life, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have the right plan. And I think it's taken me longer than it should have to be successful and recognized for what I can do because I didn't put the right thought into how I wanted to build my career. Right. So building your career, getting that experience, like Marty and, and uh, Marty had said. Like, what I think, would you have done differently? What would I, I would have researched companies. I would have, I would have mm. looked at their core values. I came from uh, Boston Consulting Group where I, I had worked previously. We talked a lot about company values, company culture, I would have done better research. I wouldn't have just done something to get by because at that time I was just doing something to get by and it happens now to be the career that I'm putting my effort so you, towards. You, the music was your main focus at the time, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Or, and, or opera, I should say. Yeah. So then whiskey or distilling brand amb- part-time ambas- ambassador work was just a way of making money, right? It was a means to an end. But you it enjoyed was, it. I mean, you... I enjoyed I, it. I talk- came from a restaurant yeah. background. I came from a bar background. I it wasn't completely out of my wheelhouse, yeah. but because you, I, I trained a lot of people at our old company, and you were the only person that knew how to make cocktails, like knew what a mash bill was. <laughs> but but yeah. uh, the simplest terms you can know about whiskey, um, you were much more above that. And and then I, I still had a lot to learn and needed a lot to learn, but um, I would have done a lot more research into what I was looking for. I would have done a lot more research in what I would have needed to know. I feel like I'm playing catch up to this day. Mm-hmm. I have a decent knowledge base. It could always grow. Same. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right credentials, and I'm 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 still trying to to prove myself in that way. Yeah. But I think you've answered the why. Yeah. Time and time again, because we've we've we in this in or, this industry we can easily get caught up in what we do on a day to day, and sometimes do we stop or at all do we stop and ask why am I doing this? Yeah. So you know, so it's one of those things where you find yourself. Um, continuously developing and finding new ways. Like, look, I, I you know, for you, especially because we work together as well. You're my boss. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, and, and I, th- I feel like that should be said. You know. I look to you for advice on how to grow. Right. So we were just, and we went along that road together. You know, you wanted to see this side of things. So, you know, we got you into the distilling side of things, the packaging side of things, yeah. the the back of the house, the front of the house, and then ultimately the face-to-face encounters, which now has, prompted, has you know, that has prompted, you know, uh, garnered you the in, where you're at now. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where if you don't ask yourself the why first, that's fine, but you'll find yourself asking it as soon as you get in because it's not easy at first because you will get a low paying entry level gig depending on the brand if at all I mean I don't know what I'm so caught up in what I'm trying to keep up with and do every day to day that what is what's, what are the actual credentials these days well get the original question you is know. like should you take should you take a job just to get into the industry or wait for the right brand yeah. well I I mean Marty I, I think uh, I think you, you, you grab just, whatever you opportunity. Yeah, you just got to do it. So, you know, like, with Jamie's uh, career, I mean, Jamie jumped with a small brand, and it was, oh, actually, a couple of small brands. Yeah. And that was good. That was one, getting out. You get a feeling what it, uh, it's like to go cold call, making account calls. That's the other thing. You know, the other, it's one, to go research and find your dream job. But are you right for that dream job? Right. You know, uh, there are people out there who all of a sudden they uh, they find out, oh, wait a minute, I've, I've got to make cold calls. Yeah. 
Uh, I've got to go into an account and yeah. introduce myself yeah. without a rep. Reps are going to call me, right? No, no. they're not. You know, uh, oh, <laughs> there's paperwork. James Bond never does paperwork. I don't see all these other brand ambassadors who seem like living yeah. a James Bondian lifestyle. They don't. Then every you know, there's paperwork. There's quotas to meet. There's yep. all this other stuff, and uh, that I think that's the other kind of research to find out, hey, is this really for... Definitely. The other thing, too, I, um, I've i known people who thought being a, a whiskey brand ambassador or a spirit brand ambassador was a nine-to-five job. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, nine-to-five job? What, are you crazy? <laughs> I asked this one gal who had taken over for me when I had left to Ireland. I came home nine months later, and she had not met the owner of, uh, of uh, uh, the Duke of Perth. I go, well, why not? He goes, nah, he doesn't come in until after 6.30. I go, what? So? Marty, it's a 95 job. I go, no, it's not. <laughs> Believe me, my liver can tell you otherwise. That my is wife not. might think that, but... Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, so there's a lot of that. I, I think you take whatever job you can get, you, f- you learn about it. Usually, too, the jobs, the easiest fruit to pick are going to be... Slightly easier. A lot of times the owners don't know what they're doing. They're yeah. kind of relying on yeah. you. And so you you build the job. You make it your own. You create it. And then uh, you see what works, what doesn't. And then you, 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 when you see another bigger ship coming by. Yeah. 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 You 100%. jump. Absolutely. I mean, like Harrison, you've been in how many jobs have you had in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 more. No, like, put them no, no, out. No, like I mean, it's like, it, I, I feel like this is like, like your, your most comfortable fit. That's why I'm saying that because six. Yeah. And I have the unique experience, and I wanted to jump in, but I was just kind of waiting my turn. Um, yeah. I had the unique experience of being a supplier, Definitely. then going to a distributor, then right. another distributor, and going back to supplier, which yeah. was my end goal. And I can safely say to whoever's asking, go get a job as a route sales rep. Doesn't have to be a city route, just a route at a distributor. If it's spirits, do spirits, don't do beer, because that's a totally different universe. Sure but just is. go do on off, don't just do one, you know, round out. And you are gonna, as a brand ambassador, deal with sales reps. And if you can't speak to them as an equal or as somebody who appreciates their plight, because yeah. you've sat in, if you're a sales rep for a couple of years, you've sat in those Friday endless meetings and you, you know that they've seen 14 suppliers before you and they're all right. liquored up by the time you get up there for 15 minutes. Yeah. You can communicate better what your brand needs. Or sitting and in a bar for two hours to meet the, yeah. with the manager. and Exactly. Well, they they appreciate that. And I didn't know that my first go around. Yeah. And I got to know that now. And now I've got that, you know, that those dead eyes like a dog. you also know though right about now. selling and that's the key thing oh yeah. yeah a lot of folks think it's about you know standing up in front of a group of consumers with a suit on and in a hat uh, yeah looking like a youthful michael stipe um wait marty you, i this is dead i'm dead serious this is what happened to me i went to a house of walker experience like 10 years ago and I saw this guy up there in a suit. Good and I was like, man, guy. that is a cool job. I want that job. It didn't occur to me until three years later he was a paid actor. <laughs> that was doing it. was you. It's not a real job. It was you. Well, that's true. And they, they started doing that. They, uh, both Diageo and then uh, I think McAllen did it. They started hiring actors. Diageo yeah. hired me. They played, well, there you go. Um, they. Uh, <laughs> Things have, things have gone down, steadily downhill <laughs> since my downhill. days. Uh, but now that you have a, uh, um, well, that, and that's just it. So they've tried actors. They've tried bartenders. And again, bartenders take orders. They don't sell. Right. So a lot of times when, with small distilleries, when they call me up and say, hey, do you know of a good, you know, someone who could be a good rep for us, a good uh, a brand ambassador? I said, well, ask your distributor. That's who you want. You want a, a good salesperson, someone who, you know, their their accounts love them. They're uh, they're good talkers. They actually learn about the product. I think that's the the key stuff. I think point. for me, 
I've been thinking about it, obviously, since I asked the question. And, <laughs> but, um, because I, well, I didn't, and I didn't know the answer at the time, and I felt a little flabbergasted when she was asking me all these questions. Because unless you know a person well, you don't know what right route right. for someone it's else. Um, but I think a few things I've looked at every time I've taken a position is a passion has to be there in some sense, right? Yeah. Like you could think the vodka sucks, but that whiskey, like. Yeah. You dream about something where you're really excited within that, yeah. right? B, never take a position that you could 100% kill. There better be something, most of it, that you don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. So that pushes you forward, right? Mm -hmm. Like get in a position where they're talking in acronyms where you have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. You may cry in your car <laughs> at night, but yeah. it's going to push you Forward. You will absolutely cry in your car. At yes. Night. You're always just crying. And then see, and then I think too, a lot asleep. of us are a lot harder on ourselves um, than other people would be. Like, I think my lack of experience is in mixology. I never got mm. to work at, like, a really nice bar that that cared about cocktails, but I have great experience in these other ways. So whatever yeah. it is, know that everybody's going to lack in some sense, and you'll always be envious of that. Sure. Yeah. Are you never going to have to be, you're never going to have to be that a mixologist. Wait, that there you go. You got that microphone now. You never have to be a mixologist. Oh. See, when I bring it closer, it gets a yeah. lot deeper. Sounds um, better. Yeah, you'll never have to be a, I, but like I said, I think, uh, what Jamie did, when she went from one gig to another, she stayed at one, uh, I won't name the company, uh, but she stayed there purposely. Be you know, she felt it was a little disorganized, but she stayed there because she got to learn more of the sales aspects, right. the marketing aspects, because yeah. she felt that was a week. And that's what you do. I mean, it takes a long time. Yeah. It's just not overnight, man. And, and, and to my point, just hold that mic. Uh, to that, to that point, uh, you were in a space where you got to really learn something, and I think that's really important. Mm. And, Marty, you had said something earlier where you might be working for uh, a distillery or a brand or a product where the owners don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> and mm. I think for a, for a new person in the industry, that can really bite you in the butt in the long run. It can stifle learning. And I think being in spaces where there's someone there who can really teach you or the, or the job itself just teaches you something – that builds your, your skill set, your career. Your well, but, you know, even when I started full-time uh, as a master of scotch for Diageo. As an actor. Th there was no job. Well, I had been doing it part-time, and I was a bartender. An I was actor. more of a bartender, and I did more promotion. I did some acting. But by that time, my, my acting career was down the, down the train. <laughs> uh, I think my acting uh, helped uh, with presentations, but... Otherwise, I was just as nervous as anyone yeah. going into an account. But the um, uh, we had no job description. It was really bizarre. We got hired at the beginning of December. We got a call at the beginning of December. Come to New York. We'll interview you. As soon as they uh, selected seven of us, uh, about a week later, they flew us to Scotland. We were out there for a week. Mm. January 2nd, it was Okay. Start your job. You go, uh, start a job doing what? What do you want me to do? And luckily, there was one woman who worked at, it was Shefflin Somerset, the precursor of Moat Hennessy at the time, who just called up the distributor and said, you know, I want to see Marty out in the market three days a week for the next four weeks. Mm. And that kickstarted, that at least developed relationships. Mm. Uh, but still, there was no... But I had do you no feel idea like there what were, I was supposed to do. Do you feel like the people that were creating that, at least you had someone to lean on to, to help develop that position? Actually, the guy who came up with the whole idea <laughs> retired. After the fact. At the, at the first of the year. Same time we were starting, that, yeah. he retired. Oh, so, no. There That's, really was. And then he was in Scotland anyways. Uh, and you know, now you have a, a, an American team. And about a year later, anyways, Diageo, uh, Diageo formed. Or Diageo split with Moet uh, Hennessy. Mm. They, uh, so they dissolved Shefflin Somerset. So now you had this whole, even the, the company yeah. was, and the Diageo as an entity, as a company, was probably only about f less than five years old at the time. Yeah. I think in like, this whole conversation too, the way that Chris has just basically placed himself in this industry as you know someone online, um, not waiting 
you know, the, for that right moment or whatever it is, just go ahead and doing it. How do you see that from a, an, I want to say outsider because I don't think you are an outsider, but just uh, not from a brand representative looking inward. What's the question again? Well, just like, I mean, like, sorry. Well, you, you know, you, you didn't wait around. And oh, you, yeah, yeah. You kind no, of he, went full force. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Marty said a great thing uh, when he was talking about um, basically creating uh, the position for yourself that you want. Right. So, like, when I, when I started getting really into whiskey and was really enthusiastic about it and, and looking for an outlet um, for that enthusiasm, I didn't. I just sort of, I went on to social media and, and I've said this, mm. I think every time I've been on here, yeah. I just inserted myself into um, the conversation. So I think that um, if you have a passion for this, you need to just take that passion and run with it. And if you're in the industry, then it sounds like, like Marty said, you just get after it and you you start doing the things yeah. that you think you should be doing and then if someone tells you no <laughs> i suppose then Definitely. then you change yeah um no one's going to tell me no on social media because um, you're you, pretty much yeah. Yeah, you're not asking do, you're there yeah. pretty much able to yeah. do what you want but uh, i guess in a way if until if, you get reported yeah or if you <laughs> see you know if you see people unfollowing you or whatever yeah. it may be yeah, then right. i guess that's the the message to you but, oh, uh, oh, that's also the thing, too, nowadays. I was just having this conversation, I think, with Lou, um, hmm. Lou Bryson. Uh, we were talking about how, you, you know, you go to all these whiskey events, and you run into these guys who are now developing, you know, I don't know, a career for themselves as being a whiskey guy. Yeah. But they've never worked for a brand. They've never, they have some are working on yet another book. You know, another whiskey book like, like. I know. No offense, Lou, but yeah, you know, there's how many more things can you write about whiskey? Okay. I think it'd be fascinating to see a book about the people who make whiskey. You know. Mm. In fact, that's what I like about this podcast. Well, so we before you got here, that was the whole topic of conversation was about the people behind the bottle. Yeah. yeah. I think that's most. I, to me, that's now the more fascinating thing more than whiskey. I've tasted so many whiskeys yeah. over the years that I enjoy going to these shows. And meeting the folks and finding out their backstories. I mean, if you look just here in Illinois, all these guys with all these completely unrelated careers, pro golfers, lawyers, scientists, you know, people who... Keep making the microphone. Never even bartended. And yet here they are, you know, starting distilleries. So it's, it's cool. Well, I was just going to make the point, and Mike, Michael Pollan, I know I'm all over the place. Um, uh, Michael Pollan brought up uh, the big, author? A bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just asking. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it could be a Michael um, Pollan that works for, like... Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, he brings up the idea that uh, the more convoluted something is, he's talking about food in that sense, in, in, uh, in defense of food, but he yeah. says, you know, the whiskey industry, the more convoluted and, and weird and, and secretive it gets, you need a clergy class to, mm. to you know, relate it to the everyman, and we kind of fill in, you talk about the, the whiskey guys that are cropping up in, in this new generation of, of product, and it's really our job and our responsibility to communicate clearly and educate the consumer, mm. but in the absence of that from many people, uh, there, is, there is this social media universe of, of a, you know, an interpretive clergy telling you what we really mean when we say something, and I don't necessarily think it's bad. I mean, the end result is still an educated consumer base to a degree, but you lose control of the message. Right, yeah. and that's just, I mean, you don't know... Again, you have people who want, who see the industry and they think it's cool and they want to be part of it. Uh, but, you know, anybody can write a book. Anybody can write, anybody can do, you start, uh, there's been a number of folks who have started their own uh, Somalia courses, whiskey Somalia courses. But, Who's, who's who taught them and yeah. where they get the experience and where are they coming from and how many articles have you guys read on whiskey where they'll say uh, oh the difference between Scotch and American whiskey is that bourbon has to be a minimum of two years constantly you see that and yet you go does anyone proofread this stuff yeah. no no one proofreads that Good stuff point. and <laughs> and those whiskey sommelier 
air quotes around small A courses. I want there to be something like that that is really concise and universally appreciated, like a sommelier. Hmm. Uh, mostly because I want to see us as people in the industry, and especially our industry leaders and influencers, uh, I, I want to see them advancing the career. So I wish there was something where all those whiskey crash courses, I think is probably more accurate with some of those, I, I want them to go away. I want there to be something that we can all look to and, and, and recognize what that credential yeah. is. Like, I'm a big fan of labels. Give, give me a name. Give me a name so I can understand something. There, there is actually, so there is no whiskey sommelier. There is actually a uh, body, the Stave and Thief Society. Mm. In, uh, in so Kentucky. I actually, I am an, uh, an executive bourbon steward. Oh, me too. Well, me so too. is Chris. Yeah, so yeah me is, too. There is, there is something, and I, I love what they do, uh, yeah. and I love their message. I love, I love actually how they, how they educate. I feel like it's very comprehensive. It's a good course. It's it a very is, good yeah. course. I, I want that to become, or something like that the, to become. The only problem with all this, so there's also a, a fellow on the, a group of Somalias, actual Somalias on the West Coast. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but he showed up at least. Yeah, he showed up. They yeah. started. They started the uh, uh, the whiskey uh, masters of whiskey course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they have. Too don't, much, turn, don't turn around. Too much sensuality going on here. Um, Matt Brown, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> Creepy. Oh, did the get you a new jacket? It's been done, had this one. Yeah. 